Hello, everybody, and welcome to um, the Teaching Writing in College podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Skeen. And on today's episode, episode five, we're going to talk about the Elon Statement on Writing Transfer uh, in the classroom. I'd like to have a series of um, podcasts about this one. And um, the reason why is because the driving question in this podcast is how can instructors in higher education leverage theory, science, pedagogy, and craft most effectively to help their learners with writing? And the Elon state, uh, statement on writing transfer really does represent the best of research and scholarship and thinking that we have in writing studies about teaching writing. And so it's really important to go through this. It has really, I think, changed my pedagogy. It's been a game changer in terms of what I think about when I go into the classroom, when I design a lesson plan, when I think about a curriculum. And so it's really worth covering. And it really is, I think, the thing that helps students the most in terms of, you know, what the teacher can do or understand. And so it's important to go through it. And also just, uh, Previously on the podcast, um, it kind of relates to what I talked about last time. Last time I did a transfer inventory. It was a lesson plan uh, where I had students bring material from other classes, have them review the rhetorical knowledge from my writing course, and then have them look for opportunities to use rhetorical knowledge, that rhetorical knowledge, including their own prior knowledge in other classes. Uh, That's really what the Elon statement is all about, and I think we'll see that as we go. All of the things um, listed in the Elon statement, all of the concepts or ideas in there, I think uh, speak to uh, what I did in my transfer inventory. Um, So that's uh, just kind of an important point to make uh, as we move forward. So the Elon statement on writing transfer, uh, here's the title page of it. It can be found at the Center for Engaged Learning dot uh, org. Uh, there's the link right there. Uh, the Center for Engaged Learning is at Elon University. And as we can see here, it was developed by 45 writing researchers participating in the 2011 to 2013 Elon University Research Seminar on Critical Transitions, Writing and the Question of Transfer. Uh, this statement summarizes and synthesizes the seminar's meta-level discussions about writing and transfer, not as an end point, but in an effort to provide a framework for continued inquiry and theory building. As part of the seminar, ERS facilitated international multi-institutional research about writing transfer and fostered discussions about recognizing, identifying, and enabling practices for and developing working principles about writing transfer. So it uh, is a very ambitious enterprise and You may notice if you go in and uh, do some reading in various areas uh, in writing studies related to transfer, they will mention the Elon statement or uh, use it as a starting point for uh, material scholarship or research that they are producing. And so a really important document uh, for us. Um, I discovered it in probably in 2015. I'm trying to remember when I first, uh, I was working on a, a um, uh, book chapter in a book called uh, Pedagogical Perspectives on Cognition and Writing by, uh, edited by Michael, J. Michael Reifenberg, Patricia Portanova, and Dwayne Rowan. And I had, they had sent out a call for proposals for book chapters, and I thought, that's really interesting. I would like to do that. I know some things about transfer. I've been thinking about it for a long time, and 
I was, you know, still trying to find ways to articulate putting it into practice. And there were things that I had done in the classroom that I thought had helped. And so as, as I was writing my chapter for this book, I ran across the Elon statement. And that was probably in about 2015 or 2016 that I found it in Google. And so um, uh, that's where I really started to learn about it. And it really has helped organize my thinking around my pedagogy, my classroom pedagogy. And so just a, an overview of the document. Um, I've got a few different things here that I'd like to discuss. I you know, uh, don't have the full document uh, here just to uh, show or to peruse. But um, on my slides here, I've got a few pages. Uh, these are screenshots of pages that I think are really helpful in understanding the overall gist of the Elon statement. And so on this one, we've got working principles about writing transfer. These are some of the main ideas from the document that they summarize and put into kind of an infographic format uh, in, embedded in the longer document. But uh, clockwise from the top, uh, we have one here. We've got four working principles here and four on the next slide that I will show you. But for this one, um, if you're listening, uh, this first working principle is writing transfer is the phenomenon in which new and unfamiliar writing tasks are approached through the application, remixing, or integration of previous knowledge, skills, strategies, and dispositions. And just, uh, just from my own perspective, I'd, I'd like to try to uh, just talk briefly about what each of these working principles makes me think about or what kind of comes to mind for me. And for this one, the first thing that came to mind for me was expertise. Um, expertise, if you read literature on it in sources like How People Learn, um, expertise is partly about, you know, sort of understanding what tools you have and then adapting them to new contexts. And so taking that prior knowledge and then applying it and uh, uh, using it to do sometimes something routine, but also sometimes something new. And so uh, there's a lot there that we can unpack over time in this podcast. But expertise is one of the first things that I think of when I see that first working principle. Uh, the second working principle I have on the screen here is any social context provides affordances and constraints that impact use of prior knowledge, skills, strategies, and dispositions. And writing transfer successes and challenges cannot be understood outside of learners' social cultural spaces. And so this one for me uh, makes me think a lot about adaptation. Um, it's uh, something that, uh, you know, I, I try really hard to make my students aware that whatever we do in class, whatever principles we learn in class will be changed or they will play out differently when they try to take them into their other classes or into uh, other aspects of their lives, their writing lives. And so... Uh, it's also a really important thing to think about is adaptation. And uh, one um, class slogan that I like to use with my students quite a bit is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but what happens in English 105, which I teach a lot here at GCU 106, 107, these first-year classes, what happens in these classes happens everywhere else, including our majors and our careers, with adaptation. And so I always try to make sure I emphasize that adaptation. And in um, classroom activities like the transfer inventory, I like to say, okay, it's not just how will you use this. I like to use the word adapt instead. 
because there are so many different uh, things. There will be affordances and constraints that are going to influence the way that they use the skills. If we go to the next one, going clockwise around the screen here, um, individual dispositions and individual identity play key roles in transfer. And that one makes me think about literature on transformation or transformative learning, which can be very much about individual identity. Uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Um, I think, uh, you know, in that literature, they talk about how a person's identity can uh, continue to be constructed as they learn about a discipline, as they sort of incorporate new knowledge and new ways of thinking about things. It becomes part of their identity. And so that transformative learning, I think, is really important that uh, students recognize that what they're learning about writing, because, you know, and not just in our courses, but uh, in the places where they will use that expertise, it becomes part of their identity as well. The fourth one, going counter, or excuse me, clockwise, prior knowledge is a complex construct that can benefit or hinder writing transfer, yet understanding and exploring that complexity is central to investigating transfer. And there for me, um, what came to mind first was the idea of conceptual knowledge. That's also, I think, a, a, one of the enabling practices in the Elon statement that we'll get to in a moment. But um, understanding and exploring that complexity is central to investigating transfer. It's about you know what students already know, um, how they understand writing conceptually, um, and that framework, the frameworks that they have, the conceptual knowledge that they have about writing, uh, as the literature shows, can influence the way that they use it. So the way that they perceive it uh, influences the way that they use it. And for me, conceptual knowledge is about the way that they perceive writing. And we'll see more of that also uh, in uh, maybe this or future episodes. But uh, conceptual knowledge is about frameworks. It's about the way we understand things. And moving on to the next slide, I have also more working principles. I divided these up onto two slides. Um, once again, going clockwise from the upper left. Individuals may engage in both routinized and transformative, adaptive, integrated, repurposed, expansive forms of transfer when they draw on or utilize prior knowledge and learning, whether crossing concurrent contexts or sequential contexts. One thing I think of immediately there is just um, one of the things that I've, I've sort of um, learned or the way that I've come to understand teaching for transfer is that it is important to think about concurrent contexts and also sequential contexts. When I was first uh, hired as a writing teacher, I remember talking to my students about how the material that you learn here is going to be useful in your other classes, and I would just say that, and that's as far as it would get. And I would assume it, they assumed it, and we never really did much with it after that. But one thing I like to do, one you know, going back to my uh, lesson plan on a transfer inventory is that that lets them see how things that we are learning in a class can be used elsewhere at the same time. And so I have them think about their other classes that they are enrolled in in any given semester when I'm teaching. What classes are you taking right now? What skills do you think would apply to this assignment that's coming up for you in a couple of weeks um, in your other class? 
And so it's not just about, you know, what they might do in their next class next semester, a sequential context, but rather a concurrent context, what's happening right now. And uh, I also sometimes get students tell me that uh, they have used some skills that we have learned, some concepts about writing that we have learned in a concurrent context, maybe outside of school. Um, last semester, I had a student uh, get excited about how she had helped uh, her uh her boss, who was the owner of a restaurant, revise the way that his menu looked visually, and uh, uh, that was she drew on some some ideas that we had talked about in uh, our writing course, and so that was a concurrent context as well. And I'm always, you know, just in casual conversations with students as I'm wandering around the room. Sometimes I'll ask them questions about what's going on now, and uh, then also maybe you know ask them to reflect on plans for the future, sequential contexts. And so um, really important, I think, to think about what's happening now and also what's happening in the future. Um, next one, successful writing transfer occurs when a writer can transform rhetorical knowledge and rhetorical awareness into performance. Students facing a new and difficult rhetorical task draw on previous knowledge and strategies, and when they do that, they must transform or repurpose that prior knowledge, if only slightly. And so sometimes it can uh, be a very uh, large transformation, you know, or uh, an adaptation, or maybe one that's not so large. But I think uh, one thing that this working principle reminds me of is just that one thing that we want to do is we want to try to have them internalize what they are learning in our writing courses, and then also internalize, you know, the um, adaptation of it. Um, it has to come from the student, um, and uh, that's it's a very active sort of purposeful, um, what's the word I'm looking for, purposeful and then uh, intentional um, task on their part. And so uh, trying to sort of inculcate that in students, I think, is really important. Also, clockwise down on the bottom right, Students' meta-awareness often plays a key role in transfer, and reflective writing promotes preparation for transfer and transfer-focused thinking. And so there, um, one thing that, uh, oh, maybe I went, uh, I'm going in the wrong order here, so I see on my slide I, I'm in the wrong order, but uh, with that one, that third one there, clockwise, um, metacognition is a skill that needs to be taught. Um, I think that, you know, I, I try to give students frameworks for that. Um, students' meta-awareness often plays a key role, reflective writing. So I try to give them, you know, frameworks that will help them think metacognitively, and I try to get them in the habit. We practice metacognition in our uh, writing, and so I, I uh, do my best to, to give them some ways to help build some automaticity when it comes to meta-awareness uh, and metacognition. Uh, that's uh, an important thing, too. And this last one, I've got it mixed up over on the left-hand side of my screen. But uh, once again, going clockwise, we're now on the bottom left for those who are watching. The importance of metacognition of available identities, situational awareness, audience awareness, etc. become even more critical in writing transfer between languages because of the need to negotiate language-based differences and to develop awareness about the ways language operates in written communication in each language. And there is, I wasn't aware of this until 
Some of you may know that I'm working on an encyclopedia as a co-editor. And in the encyclopedia, an ongoing project right now, there is going to be an entry on language transfer. So specifically, you know, we can study transfer, but then there's also uh, specifically transfer between languages. And so writing teachers, I think, uh, need to know more about that as well, something that I'm working on, because I know that we all have students uh, who uh, may uh, speak English as a second language and write in English as a second language, and uh, there are some important considerations to make there as well. Okay, so that's it for the uh, working principles about writing transfer, just talking through those. I think they're all really important, and uh, they're worth pondering on at any uh, point. And uh, if we move on, so uh, also in the statement are these enabling practices. Uh, these are kind of the core things that teachers can do that the Elon statement suggests that uh, uh, help kind of guide pedagogy. And I, uh, once again, I really like to think about these all the time. I'm asking myself, am I doing these and how well am I doing them when I am designing material to take into a classroom or when I'm designing a curriculum or a syllabus or things like that. And so here are the three enabling practices that the Elon statement recommends. And I'm, I've kind of got them boiled down to, to three key phrases here, but I'll read them out. So the first one, first enabling practice is constructing writing curricula and classes that focus on study of and practice with concepts that enable students to analyze expectations for writing and learning within specific contexts. These include rhetorically based concepts such as genre, purpose, and audience. So that's the first one. And uh, to dwell on that one for just a moment, I feel like it has two parts to it. It's got conceptual knowledge. Um, one thing we need to make sure that students have is conceptual knowledge that's going to enable them uh, to think about writing in certain ways over others. And I'll get into that in my next podcast. I'd like to uh, cover each of these um, in detail. But um, when I think of conceptual knowledge, I think of, you know, what is writing made of? And is it, uh, are we conveying that? Am I conveying that as a teacher in a way that is going to enable students as they uh, continue in other contexts in their lives. And so one of the central ones for me is genre. I, every writing course, I think at this point, I'll have to do this in a future episode too, but I think genre is probably the central concept that should be operative in any writing course. And genre also, you know, if you look at the literature, it encompasses things like purpose and audience, and it gives us some really great ways to talk about those. And so I really like to use genre. And then I, uh, take purpose and audience and uh, uh, talk about them in specific relationship with different genres. Um, so that's, I think, really important. And then also, of course, lots of other things, lots of rhetorical skills. You know, if you think about the uh, uh, WPA outcome statement, you know, it talks about the need for rhetorical knowledge. There's lots of rhetorical knowledge that can support our writing you know, my writing, my students' writing, anybody's writing um, as they use different genres. And so I like to see genre as a really central concept and then lots of other supporting concepts help that, including audience and purpose. 
Um, another one right there in the first one is practice in this enabling in these enabling practices. I think practice, giving students opportunities to practice with their rhetorical knowledge is really important. Um, there's a lot of literature, a lot of uh, ideas coming out in education and cognitive psychology or that have been around for a while. You know, it's been established that uh, practice is, is really important. Something that I didn't understand early on as a writing teacher, but it does mean for me at least, you know, once you uh, introduce a concept about writing to students, there's, uh, you want to go back and practice it a lot so that uh, they can remember it and so that they can then, you know, practice adapting it in different ways. And so for me, one of those, you know, if I, if I think genre is a, a specific concept, one thing we do is we, or one that I use centrally, one thing that I like to do with students is I like to get them to practice writing in different genres. Um, I like to practice getting them to interpret or describe uh, practice interpreting or describing different genres. And so also really important uh, just for me- memory, long-term memory, and then also transfer. And then have them practice that, of course, in their other classes that they're doing at the same time they're taking my class. Uh, the second one, the second enabling practice for the Elon statement, asking students to engage in activities that foster the development of metacognitive awareness, including asking good questions about writing situations and developing heuristics for analyzing unfamiliar writing situations. Um, I think that goes hand in hand, I think, with uh, conceptual knowledge a little bit. One thing that I do have is I have a heuristic for a genre that I like to use in class, and uh, it becomes a framework. Students get tired of hearing it probably, but uh, they sure remember it because I repeat it so much, and we you know, I bring in different kinds of writing that they might be doing. I ask them, you know, what their majors are, uh, what they see themselves doing once they leave college. And then I try to uh, find genres that might correspond to some of those majors or some of those careers that they see themselves going into. And then uh, we analyze those. And uh, that's a really important, uh, part of it as well, that metacognitive awareness, you know, what do I know about this genre? That's a question that we can uh, get them asking. And uh, uh, metacognitive awareness. And once again, you know, um, that's something that we can practice and teach as we go. And then um, the, that, so those are the three big ones, uh, conceptual knowledge, practice, and metacognitive reflection. And we haven't even quite hit the third enabling practice yet, but excuse me. The third enabling practice is explicitly modeling transfer-focused thinking and the application of metacognitive awareness as a conscious and explicit part of a process of learning. And so I do like to, you know, as a teacher, be active about that. One way to do it, I think, is to show them what I'm working on and how I'm using the same skills that I'm uh, working with them on, you know, whether it might be, you know, some kind of strategy to create some structure in a genre or the move between genres. I have to do that too. And I show them, you know, there are genres that I am writing in right now that I don't have, uh, that I have not historically had experience with in my career, but, um, you know, showing them that, but then, um, also, uh, uh, one thing that I think is important here, and I'm, I'm struggling to make this connection, but I'm sure it's there somewhere. I think uh, this idea of expansive framing by Randy Engel is really important here. And expansive framing is, um, you know, thinking about 
how a teacher can portray material or portray activities in such a way that the thinking about them is not limited to the classroom. The expectation is that it's not limited to the classroom. It's not just about this test or about finishing this paper or getting the format right for that major assignment in this classroom. It's about how does all of this apply elsewhere? How is it playing out in this context, in my writing classroom? And then how is it applying elsewhere as well? And so uh, being very explicit about that, I think, is important. And asking questions about what do I know here? How can I apply this elsewhere? Also really important. So those are the three um, enabling practices. And if I boil them down just so that I can remember them, like I have on the screen here, conceptual knowledge, practice and metacognitive reflection. And I try to do those things in different ways every day in my classes. There are also some um, working principles in development that I think the statement gives us that also are important. Um, I'll just maybe read this. Um, in addition to the high confidence working principles discussed above, ERS participants, the uh, the Elon Research Seminar participants identified a number of working principles that remain in development. ERS participants have, moder have moderate to high confidence in these development, these in-development principles, but they merit further research. So one, with explicit rhetorical education, students are more likely to transform rhetorical awareness into performance. And so I think that goes back to conceptual knowledge that we discussed earlier really important. Uh, you have to have conceptual knowledge. You have to understand how something works in order to be able to use it elsewhere. And uh, that's what that first one is about. Second, helping students develop strategies and tools to think about how writing functions and communities can potentially prepare them to draw effectively on prior knowledge when they encounter writing in new settings, whether writing for a major, writing in a workplace, or writing for extracurricular activities. Um, third one, some dispositions seem to better afford engaged rhetorical problem solving. We are only starting to explore what such dispositions might be, so pedagogy that promotes transfer needs to be attentive to dispositions research. Some physical and digital space designs afford learning and transfer better than others, and the transfer of rhetorical knowledge and strategies between self-sponsored and academic writing can be encouraged by designing academic writing opportunities with authentic audiences and purposes and by asking students to engage in metacognition. And so you know, I think some of these have to do with classroom practices. Uh, some of them have to do with metacognition. Um, digital space, I think, is also important. And I'll try to get to all of these you know, in future podcasts. One thing that just occurs to me about physical and digital space designs right now is I remember an experience when I was probably 15 or more years ago, the university I was working for um, built a whole building around technology and put computers um, all through all of the classrooms. And so it was known sort of as the uh, building with all of the computer classrooms in it. And there was a computer lab and stuff, an open computer lab for students. And um, one thing I remember, you know, when I got in there and had students where everyone had their own workstation. Uh, some of them had workstations, some of them had laptops, desktops and laptops. And um, if they, in the, I remember a, a room that had pods in it and of, you know, groups of four students each. And uh, each 
desk had a computer in front of it with a monitor. And I remember struggling so much to get students to interact with each other because that was something that I liked to have happen. I liked to have them uh, do something sometimes in groups. I was trying to, um, you know, put students in their zone of proximal development, get them to uh, work together a little bit to develop a little, you know, uh, maybe a, a uh, work on a skill that they were unfamiliar with just to kind of help them, you know, get a boost by putting their heads together. And I just remember how hard it was to get them to even interact with each other with those computers and monitors in the way. So digital or physical space designs could certainly, um, uh, uh, you know, help enable or constrain, I think, interactions with students, just as one example. Um so there's a lot uh, to unpack there as well. And it looks like that's my last slide. I'm not uh, coming up with any more, so um, we'll end it here. But I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to uh, do the podcast. I'm uh, grateful for those of you who are listening or watching, and I hope to have more uh, soon. I really uh, do think that the Elon statement is important for writing and I hope to uh, show in the podcast some ways in which I use it and um, I encourage everybody who's listening to just read it and try to internalize it and use it as much as you can because uh, it is based on we'll get into this too there's a whole bunch of literature in there I encourage you to go you know read it if you haven't but there is a bunch of literature that they are drawing from from uh, cognitive psychology and uh, maybe some other areas that is really important and it's uh, really kind of enlightening. I really enjoy reading that literature and uh, trying to ask myself how I might use it in my own pedagogy. And, uh, you know, like I said, the Elon statement itself is a game changer, has been for me. And uh, I uh, would like to thank all of those who worked on the Elon statement. And we'll get into more of that, of course, as time goes on. But thank you so much for listening and uh, we will take it up again uh, the next chance I get.